What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future if it's happening in The Challenge universe. We are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollibaugh. Thank you so very, very much for being here with us today, a celebratory day. On today's podcast, we are talking all things spies, lies, and allies, all things, the entire season. The reunion aired last week. We were off for the holidays. We haven't even talked about that yet. We've got to talk a little about the reunion, and then we are going to be getting into the entire season as a whole and break the whole thing down one final time, wrap it all up with a bow, and move on to hopefully a season 38 sometime the nearer the better in the future. So to do so, here is the agenda for the day. First up, we are going to uh, thankfully, I almost thought about doing a Cliff Notes recap for the entire season. That seemed uh, that seemed a little daunting, to be honest, and not sure if that would be necessary. So we're scrapping the Cliff Notes recap. Thank goodness for me. So the first thing we will do is just cover the reunion before we do anything else. We do have a few notes about it. Want to talk about that? Cover anything about the reunion up top? Then. That will be followed by a rating of the season overall. We're moving into only Spies, Lies, and Allies, the entire season content, and we're going to start with rating the season, talking pros, cons from a 30,000-foot view, the entire season as a whole. Then, after that, we're going to hand out some awards, and we have got a lot of them. We're talking best daily challenge, best elimination, the best quote from the whole season, the best moment of the whole season, favorite love triangle, because there was a lot of them of the season, best beef, male and female rookies of the year, male and female vets of the year, and we will crown our MVP of Spies, Lies, and Allies. A lot of hardware to hand out. And then finally, after the awards, we are going to give every single player that appeared on this season a grade for the season and decide if we want to see them again on future seasons or not. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk reunion. We're going to talk the whole season as a whole. We're going to hand out a whole bunch of awards. Then we're going to grade every player's performance. Now, that is a lot to get to. But before we do, we dive in quick programming notes to tidy up this house. First, apologies for no review preview yesterday. Um, If I'm being honest, there was not sure uh, if we're going to get one of those next week or not. Um, I do know eventually sometime in January as All Stars ends, we are going to start doing a regular, I think on Tuesday's podcast that is kind of a challenge news sort of short mini podcast of sorts, which is part of what those review previews have been for the last couple months. But I am not sure if and when uh, that podcast will kind of start again, if it'll happen in the next few weeks or not. Maybe if something crazy happens, then we'll make sure to do it. If not, it may be a little later in January as All-Stars ends that we actually kick in that Tuesday show back into full gear and make it kind of a full-on just challenge news. What's happening out there while no seasons are airing? There's still a lot going on in the world of the challenge, so we'll have our little mini pod to cover the between time between the seasons. I guess it'll just be a surprise as to when those begin, um, but just know at some point that they will. We do, however, still have All-Stars going strong for three more episodes. So tomorrow, Episode 8 recap will be out midday. The following two Thursdays, you'll get Episode 9 and Episode 10 recaps. So that is what we got going the rest of this week and the next few weeks. As for the new year... Well, um, we're just going to wait and talk about that when it gets here and when we possibly have some announcements about All-Stars 3 airing, All-Stars, or, you know, season 38 filming. We get more on that 
We'll have more on where the podcast will be going moving forward, but do know it's not going anywhere. It's going to be around for a long, long time to come. All right, with that, we are ready. Let's get into all things Spies, Lies, and Allies Season 37 and start it all off with the discussion of that two-part reunion last week. So the reunion aired last week, and uh, we didn't talk about it the day of traveling for the holidays and whatnot. It was a two-parter, a couple hours long, I think, without commercials and everything. You know, it's uh, maybe, maybe an hour and 15 minutes in total, you know, MTV likes those commercials. And we, I don't actually have any any notes on like anything that actually happened or was said or revealed on the reunion itself. So we we honestly could all, if, if we just wanted to recap like actual stuff that was said, revealed, talked about, happened, we really wouldn't have anything to say. Um, but we do want to c- touch on a couple things with that reunion. The first and foremost is... Devin Simone should have been the host. With all respect to Maria Nunos, who is now, I believe, I saw uh, Challenge Stats or someone else put out, um, she has hosted the most, I think fifth or sixth time hosting the reunion, and she does a wonderful, wonderful job. She is a very good at hosting. Is why she has it as a legitimate career. Been doing it a long time, and not just hosting these, hosting all kinds of things across television. She is a wonderful host. She does a very, very good job with the reunions. This is zero against Maria all love for her, did a great job with this one. But Devin needs to be the host. Now, I don't know, uh, you know, there was a big push all season long is once we got Devin as the host of the Aftermath episodes of like, you know, myself, I know Levi and George over the Redditors React podcast and across Reddit in general, and a lot of social media push as well. A lot of people wanting Devin Simone to be the host of the reunion. She kind of coyly commented on it a time or two and seemed like, you know, she would be willing or want to do it as well. Um, Her calendar has definitely been filling up of late. She's been guest hosting on different shows. Um, You know, a lot of positive things for her career, which is wonderful. And we support that because we love Devin. Uh, And, but we also want Devin to stay in the challenge community. We want her to do every, anything and everything she wants to do in her career um, all across television and media and entertainment, every single thing. She deserves it all. But if there's a way to give her everything she ever wants and also have her still host Aftermath and add the reunion host to the ledger, that would be the best case scenario. And if for any reason she just gets so successful, there's all these other opportunities doing all this other stuff and someone else becomes the host of Aftermath, really what I'm getting at is the the, the host of Aftermath should be the host of the reunion, regardless of who it is, probably, but certainly because Devin is so good at it on the aftermath. She made aftermath this season. The first time, as I talked throughout the season about first time I've ever wanted to really watch the aftermath really thought they were like a real value add and weren't just something that was there to put out extra content. And she needs to be the host of this because she has the relationships from doing all of those aftermaths, knows the storylines inside and out, doesn't have to research, doesn't have to, you know, plan or, you know, put a lot of time and effort into figuring out what am I going to talk about? What actually happened? Do I need to go watch all the episodes of the show? I don't know if Maria is a super fan and watches it or waits and, you know, does the amount of homework she needs to right before to host the reunion or what. But Devin has those relationships from the inside. She knows all the storylines in and out. It's been talking about them all seasons. And from filming all of those episodes of Aftermath, I guarantee, as we saw come out a time or two on Aftermath, she has so much behind-the-scenes knowledge. She has relationships with all these people in this cast each season. 
And she's finding stuff out off camera as they're hanging out in New York while they're filming those aftermaths. She is just embedded so much that it that it makes no sense to have anyone but her host the reunion. Now, I will say maybe she had to turn it down because she was so busy. Maybe, I don't know, maybe she just decided she didn't want to do it because of the travel, maybe. But if unless if, if the case is that they offered it to her and for one reason or another, she couldn't or did not want to do it, then by all means, that's her choice. And great, Maria is as good of a pick, maybe the best possible pick for someone other than Devin to host this show. So that's great. But I'm assuming the offer wasn't necessarily there because it feels like from everything we've heard, and I haven't researched enough to see in the last week if anything's come out about, I'm sure she's being asked about it. I don't know if she's commented on it or not. Um, but if it wasn't offered to her, then that's a poor job by MTV and uh, just a, a big, big letdown. Which brings me to my second point about the reunion, and that is, does the reunion actually work um, with having after shows after every episode? And I asked that for a few reasons. The main one is I didn't have anything to comment on from this, this reunion because almost everything they talked about has already been discussed ad nauseum on social media, on podcast, and on the after show, on Aftermath, after every single episode. Any event in the show that they've talked that is worth talking about, they talk about on Aftermath, about that episode and all the the players that are a part of that moment or that drama or that romance or whatever it is, they talk directly about it on Aftermath of that episode and now we're just kind of rehashing and saying the same things, same conversations on the reunion. And so does having a good after show, with which is what Aftermath was this year, actually kind of ruin the reunion or make it, if it, it at least bare none forces, the reunion needs to be different. It can't just be, we're going to play the greatest hits of the aftermath essentially. Cause if you want to, you, you could just literally do that. You could have a couple editors put together like the best of the challenge aftermath and just air that, um, with a couple people zooming in and like added commentary or something. But so I don't know exactly what they should do, but I do I have some opinions, of course. Um, wouldn't bring it up if I didn't. So here is what I would do if I was in charge of the challenge reunion and knew going forward we're going to continue with Aftermath and it's a good show and it's going to be here after every single episode of the season, then this is what I would do with the reunion to make it work a little bit better. First thing, focus. the first segment of the reunion should just be about the final because there's no aftermath for the final. So basically you're doing the after show of just that episode. There's the first 20 minutes could basically just be aftermath, but, uh, as the beginning of the reunion. Okay. So that's first thing you can do and cover all of that. Then second thing, pit moments of the season versus each other. We've talked about everything more or less in isolation as they happen on aftermath to instead do things like this is a totally made up. I don't know what actually happened in these episodes, but if Josh does, you know, does something in episode three and then kind of does the opposite strategically in episode eight, bring up and show both those two moments to be like, Josh, what's the difference here? Break these down, compare these to each other. Instead of just being like, hey, Josh, you you did this in episode three. We've already talked about it, but let's talk about it again. Put pit moments against each other, pair up little moments, compare and contrast them against each other. Next thing. Do some awards, do some countdowns, do you know the best eliminations of the season, have the people, the, the cast members that are there in person vote on that. Do the most shocking blind side of the season and do like a top three. And you know, then 
it's kind of natural to talk about each of those three things again. Yes, those have already been talked about on the after uh, aftermath, but uh, at least there's kind of a, more of a, a structure around why you're bringing it up again. And then the most important thing of all, shit they should have shown. That that is the bread and butter of what what would make a reunion great. The best ever post-season episodes are the way back when they would do, instead of a reunion, they would just do a full episode called The Shit They Should Have Shown. I believe it was Inferno 2 or 3 that has kind of like the most iconic one where it's like a full 60-minute episode. And it's like, this is this is every challenge fan's dream. This is all we want. We don't really, ultimately, the who wins and everything isn't as, as fun as just show us all this wild shit going on in the house and these people having a crazy time. Um, anything that's been left on the cutting room floor Give it to us. Every single thing. There's there's all these, how is there, you know, like in this in particular, they talk about all the romances on this season. They talk, they mention, as had been mentioned many times, Fessy and Bettina. How is there not a single camera of any of that? They literally have cameras everywhere at all times. How is there not even a single shot you could show us of that? I think we get a like one and a half second glimpse of, I guess we're to assume, Fessy and Bettina under a blanket on the cabana and that's all they show. They had to have walked out to that freaking cabana like, I don't know. Show us more. Show us, you know, Kyle's birthday party. I'm sure there's plenty of footage from that. That would have probably been entertaining for us to watch. Um, Show us the entire conversation of Amanda explaining childbirth to Kyle, all that kind of stuff. So first segment, just after show of the final. Second segment, moments versus each other. Compare and contrast. Put people on the spot for being shady or two-faced or snaky. Do some awards, do some countdowns, relive the best eliminations, the best dailies, the shocking blind sides, and then shit they should have shown as much as you've got give to us. That's what I would do with the reunion. But overall, I mean, I still watched all the two hour thing. Um, you know, I still enjoyed it uh, to some degree. I just felt like I had heard all these conversations and really it's it's a, it's a change in structure of the entire show. We're going to save this for a future pop, possible podcast of its own of how how to handle this, but the it's the social media and the podcast and the people like myself that are talking about this all the time and the cast members that are going on each other's podcasts and all the podcast circuit and talk about this stuff in the moment. The reunion is just kind of left in a shitty place of like all of this has been talked about for months, literal months, you know, and so the timeline of the show, that's a topic for another day of how they can, could they do it faster? It should be it shorter. How do they work in this new reality that we live in to, you know, get the most out of the show itself um, and not have all of the value stolen by all these other folks like myself around the show that are, you know, trying to talk and have fun with it. So that's the reunion. That's that's all we've got on that. Um, and uh, yeah, so with that reunion covered, let's move into the full season wrap up now. Spies, Lies, and Allies, season 37. And we're going to start first and foremost, high level 30,000 foot view. We are going to rate the season and talk about it kind of as a whole. So let's move into that. All righty. High level view, taking a step back, 19 episodes plus a two part reunion, the whole thing, season 37. How do we rate it as a full season? And where does it stack up? Just, you know, pros, cons, all of that. So let's start with the the actual rating itself. Now, before I tell you the rating, this is the first time we've done this. Um, We did a wrap-up somewhat to All-Stars 1, and that was the first season of this podcast. This is now the first flagship season uh, that we're covering. So we haven't done this. So I just want to clarify something right from the start, and that is 
that I am a hard ass when it comes to grading. I I am that teacher you had in school that take the took the grading scale way too literally and that wanted wanted my average grade or class grade to be a C and only wanted a couple people to get A's and I wanted people to a couple people to fail because yeah, I'm just one of those hard asses that thinks, you know, the a C is passable, average, whatever, and that A is amazing and F is like you fucking should do this again. So as far as grade, how I would say my what my grading scale is for a season of the challenge in reverse order. I get I will I do letter grades. I would say an F, a season that gets an F, failed the show. Literally. You set it back, put the show in danger of not not moving forward, complete and utter failure. That's an F. A D in the D range, that's a bad season. We will move on to the next season. They it it's not getting the show canceled. But damn, it better be better because a couple Ds in a row and you will get the show canceled. Then a C, a C is passable. It kept it kept the franchise moving. Probably had some strong spots, but it just had a lot of big mistakes too. A lot of sections where it just, you know, didn't score at all. So it's a C, it's passable. It, it might be forgettable or it just might be highly, highly varied. A B, I liked it. More good than bad, some mistakes, but the mistakes were understandable. You, you kind of got what they were going for. It just didn't work out, but it was probably a good idea to start with. There's a, a moment or two, a section or two, a thing or two about it that they fully aced. A B is pretty good, really liked it. And then an A, really great. No big misses at all. Consistently good, plenty of great moments throughout. The best of the best. We're talking top tier programming, top tier reality television content, top tier entertainment. That's an A. So A, really, really great. B, I liked it. C, passable. D, bad season. F, you failed the show. That's kind of the grading scale that I am working with. So with that knowledge, here is what I would say. I would give this season. I was really, really torn. I've gone back and forth. I even changed it in my notes three different times, um, from one to another, back, and then back once more. I landed on a C+. I, I really want to say B-, minus, but I'm going to go with C+, working off that grading scale I just said. I did like it, but I would say uh, I don't want to be... It's kind of my grade plus a dash of what, I, what I'm hearing from everyone else out there, fans, other commentators, everyone alike, um, that I maybe liked it a little more than most. So that's what kind of pushed me in the end. I was like B minus, and then I bumped it to a C plus. Um, it was, is a, is in the passable range, but I think the highest end of passable verging on that B minus. But I'm going to give it a C plus. Now, let's talk about the pros of the season. Things they did good. Things they got right. First and foremost, really, really good rookie class. 19 different rookies graced our televisions. And here's the list with, you know, at the very end of this, we're going to grade every single person and talk about if we want them back or not. But just off off the top of my head, the moment I wrote pros down, the first thing I had to say was really good rookies. And then just boom, typed out names, Michaela, Corey, Kells, Ed, Michelle, Huey, Esther, Priscilla, Emmy, Emmanuel, Logan, all of them. Fantastic. And that was just, I think I just named 11 people out of the 19, like just on the drop of a dime, like, Really, really, really good class of rookies. And yes, this is a season that uh, no matter, you know, part of not liking it might have been that there's so many rookies, but it is, it's just one of those seasons where you have to bring in a bunch of new faces. And we've talked in many different places about how to do this better, more efficiently. But regardless, this is one of those seasons, yes, we're going to be a little nervous about change, about all these new faces, but they had to kind of do it. Maybe they didn't have to do 19, but 
They needed a lot of new people. We got to get some youth back in there, some new blood. Um, and I just thought the, they, for getting 11 out of 19, if not more, again, we'll talk about the full grades later on, but getting this many good rookies uh, is an incredible casting job, especially when given clearly the direction of like, we're going global. So I want people from all over. So your pools are a little more limited and your knowledge of those pools might be a lot more limited going in. Overall, the rookies were great. Then you got very satisfying winners. Uh, this is something that's very important to me, and I loved reading just actually a few hours ago before I started recording this. Alan Gire, who you've heard me call out a couple times, always love his recaps and his podcasts and his challenge write-ups in general. He just posted this morning over on Medium, medium.com slash Alan Aguirre, or is it dash? I forget how the medium.com addresses work, but if you do type in Google Medium Alan Aguirre, uh, A-G-U-I-R-E, I think is how you spell his last name, uh, you'll find his write-ups. And he wrote about the most satisfying winners in challenge history and this idea of the winners being you know, satisfying at the end of the day, not who you're rooting for or against, but just feels like the culmination of the season. That's who should have won. That's, you know, whatnot. And for this one, Casey has been the dominant female two seasons in a row. If, you know, if Jenny wasn't on Total Madness, it would have been third season in a row where it's like, she's just superior to everyone. She got hurt on the last final. This time she goes out, she gets it done. She gets the win. It just felt like she deserved to win, uh, you know, from just the game part. Uh, she's dominant and it, she deserved to get that win and have that championship under her belt. So that felt good. And then CT going back to back, hasn't done back to back before is, you know, reigniting this whole goat conversation and just everything about it was very satisfying to see, you know, his arc continues to, you know, complete itself. And he got fully back to ripped CT, his family and home life is looking really good and solid and beautiful and happy and just everything about it. So KCCT winning, very satisfying winners. Next pro, we had tons of hookups and messiness. And when everyone, any time anyone complains about this season in particular or about the show and recent seasons and everything, I'm like, what do you want or not want from this show? And usually the people that are complaining, they want certain things. For, they want more show versus the sport. And we got a lot of good in the show half of the challenges. And mostly we got so many hookups and so much messiness. We're doing a full award later for the best love triangle. And we have five different trios of people who interwove their relationships and love stories on this season. So much messiness and just, uh, you know, uh, yeah, there's, there's lots of that, and thank goodness, warm weather season. We could just add that in as another pro. Warm weather season, nice pools, big house, areas to go to. Look what it leads to. You put a bunch of single people in that environment for months on end. It's going to happen. So got that. Another pro, very, some legitimately memorable eliminations. We will hand out a winner for the best elimination later. I don't think if we were doing a bracket, you know, a, I don't know, 10, 16, 20, greatest eliminations of all time. I don't think any of them from this season are making that list. So I don't know that we got any like A plus, I'm gonna remember this forever, but we got a lot of B pluses, A minuses, even A's. We got some really solid eliminations. Kyle versus Ed, Emmy winning four different times. Kyle versus Josh, Tori versus Amanda, Amanda or Amber and Huey versus Corey and Michelle. We'll talk about the eliminations uh, when we do that award, but overall, thought the eliminations as a whole were pretty solid throughout most of the season. 
Another pro, episode zero, the activation special, whatever the fuck they called it. Do that every season, but call it episode one and make sure people know about it and don't miss it. And it's not super confusing when they tune in for the what they think is the first episode and we're already at the daily challenge and we don't know who the fuck any of these people are. But if you were one that found out about a full hour and a half long episode zero in quotations, that episode was unbelievable and fantastic, and I loved every single thing about it. I love that they brought in the you know the international versus the U.S. So kind of almost a rookie vet, but with a small smattering of uh, flipping that around. Just everything about that episode was fantastic. We got to learn about all these people. Got to dive in a little deeper. If you're going to do 19 episodes. Do more episodes that are way more about that stuff. Let us learn who these people are, especially when you're bringing in all these rookies and we got to get to know them and learn about them and learn to like or dislike them or just for some reason care about watching them on our television screen. That episode was fantastic. Do that every season. Just call it episode one and market it as such. And, you know, that'll be even better. Fine, uh, final two pros, Croatia, fantastic location. Go back there every time in summer for my money. House was amazing. The locations of the challenges were beautiful, great visuals. The final was good. Seemed like great weather for them. Loved, loved, loved the location all season through. And then the final pro is kind of a pro and a con at the same time, which will lead us into our cons. But the final third of the season was the best portion of the season. If you're breaking this down into quarters or, you know, uh, whatever you thirds, that's the word I just said and then couldn't think of, halves, whatever. The latter part portion of the show was the best part when all the suspense added up once all the rookies were out of there. We'll talk about that in a moment with the cons, which is again why it might be the first two thirds being a little lesser is why the back third stood up so much. But it was also just because the back third of this season was fan fantastic and I loved every bit of it. And that doesn't normally happen. It's usually kind of the reverse of that. It kind of dwindles as the season goes on. We're just kind of waiting to see who wins. Instead, this one ramped up and ramped up and pent up and pent up. And then boom, we got four, five, six episodes right in a row at the end that were just really, really high level. So that was awesome. That's all the wonderful things. They got a lot right on this season. As for cons, thing that weren't as good, could have been better. The format first and foremost. Should have just done cutthroat from the start. Do the three teams from the start. There's, you know, word that that's what they wanted to do the whole time. And then they made a last second switch. And then, you know, during the season, they switch from pairs to, to teams. And then from teams to individual. And then individuals to teams. And then teams to pairs and whatnot. Uh, the the main thing is the, the way they set it up at the beginning led to, and, you know, they can't know exactly how it's going to work out. But they kind of should have an idea based, again, on who who they're casting and from the vet side, what their storylines are, what their backstories are, what their histories are. But the format led to zero suspense for half the season or more. We literally just saw rookie, 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 every single elimination with no, no real, you know, we had Fessy through an Amber one time. And, uh, other than that, it took till, you know, episode 12 or 13 or whatever for someone to be like, well, I guess they're almost all gone. So Corey, you can go in instead of Logan again. And it was just no suspense. So, and then with that, the constant switching, it makes it hard to identify who you're rooting for or against. It makes it hard to make season long storylines. It helped the constant switching helped the whole just vets versus rookies storyline take hold. And it's just not as interesting of a storyline as when it's a team can dominate and it can be a war of the world's one where it's like, all right, Polly and Ninja are just kicking everyone's ass. But then 
he flames out at the last moment. It's this huge moment. It's built up over this whole season. And everyone's looking at them as like, how can we beat them? Um, same thing last season on, you know, while everyone was switching, you at least had the Casey and Leroy can't be beat kind of storyline that comes in. But you also, if people are on the same team the whole time, you can just be rooting against someone the whole time and not have, you know, maybe I'm rooting against Josh, but I'm rooting for Amber. And so again, I'm rooting against Josh, but then suddenly he's Amber's partner on this season. I'm like, oh shit, what do I do now? Cause I really like Amber and I wanted to see Josh go home. Um, so what do you do in that situation? So the, the switching, you don't always, you never know who's on whose team. You never feel confident. You can actually like that your person you're rooting for or against is going to go home or stay or whatever. Just the format in general, we've talked a lot before, simplify it. Um, and in general, I feel like if they would have went with teams from the beginning, yes, we might've just got rookies thrown in a bunch of times over and over, but, uh, that happened anyways. Um, uh, but I think it just would have been a, a more interesting to full on do, Hey, this is cutthroat two. We'd call it cutthroat two and lean all the way in. Uh, next con is too long. You can't do 19 episodes. You just can't. Um, the sweet spot for me as a fan is 12 to 14, 12 to 15. I think 15 is maybe the sweet spot for the show where they can still get as much ad money as they want. 15 is still a big number of episodes. 15 weeks is a long ass time plus reunion, 16 weeks, four months to be on television. That's a hell of a long time. But 19 is just way too many to keep people committed. And you shorten it up a little bit. You pack more of that great and good into a shorter time frame, cut out some of the excess where there's episodes that just kind of drag or it's like, all right, I guess the story of this episode is just going to be about the rookie who's about to go home who we haven't met and has had three confessionals the whole season. So now we'll give him seven and no one will ultimately care. They'll probably never come back again. So too long, pack more good stuff into a shorter time frame. 12 to 15 episodes, I think is the sweet spot for a season of the challenge. I get it. The more they have, the more money they can make. So I would say 15 is, is the actual sweet spot from a business and a product quality standpoint. Other cons, Fessy getting sent home. We talked about it when it happened. Shouldn't have got sent home. If anyone should have got sent home, should have been Josh in that moment, uh, which then potentially would have avoided also the Ashley DQ and the complete, she's just going home and no one knows why and we can't talk about it and we won't talk about it. We talked about that multiple times on multiple podcasts. Our feelings changed over and over about what how they should handle whatever the hell happened, how they should handle situations where people act in an ugly manner on the show, assuming she did. That's all we really have to go off of is she's DQ'd and we were told it wasn't for fighting and she wasn't medical. So clearly she just acted in an ugly manner or what they deemed an ugly manner in some way. We don't know. But those both of those things, one, because Fessy and Ashley were providing the most entertainment of anyone on this show, not named Amanda, the entire season. Um, that really hurt the show from that perspective. They're both, uh, Ashley is a champion. We only had a few champions return this season. So losing a champion in that manner was, you know, was a bummer regardless of, again, if it's deserved or whatever, um, you know, Fessy kind of trying to do the same story arc that Casey eventually completed here and is a big competitor in the house. Just losing Fessy and Ashley in to disqualifications is, you know, is, you know, it's not the show's fault necessarily. I mean, they did make the decision to disqualify both of them, but, uh, you know, for good reason or whatnot, or they assume good reason. And most of us agree with that, but still having those DQs just hurts the season in general. You don't want that. Um, and you know, if you're going to have a DQ, uh, you don't, I guess I should actually throw in Anissa as a third member of this, having someone who's so valuable to the show as Anissa go out medical DQ fifth episode. So even that one 
three DQs plus Nam. Oh my God, how did I forget Nam? All the DQs are bad. Uh, there's a few instances where disqualification made just for the for the drama of it or the, you know, whatever, however it goes down, maybe actually is kind of a helpful thing if someone goes out with a, a bang of some sort or at the time at the right time or it's kind of inconsequential, but whatever. These ones were, were not good for the show. And then final con is one. Um, no fault of the show at all. Everyone else in the entire world is dealing with it, but that is COVID. It's still causing production issues um, from the, the obvious of the, you know, they still can't go to a bar. Uh, they do. This is the first time they go out to that restaurant at the end and they like go out on the boat day. So they're kind of a little bit like compared to the last two seasons out allowed outside of just the house and the bubble bars that they'd had the last season or two. Um, but from that is, you know, affecting the atmosphere a little bit. They start, this is the first season, the warm weather certainly helped compared to Iceland. Um, and the bar was a little bit better of a situation and setup than compared to double agents. But, uh, that the atmosphere slowly was lifting a little bit, but then you had the actual straight up production issues of, you know, it's tough on the cast to have to, you know, seasons already films forever, like two, three months, but then you throw in quarantine on the front end of that. Then you throw in that they had to pause immediately and do another 10 day quarantine. And that that led to Nam having to leave and led to, it led to a lot of drama within the cast of how they treated that quarantine. But then, you know, we, they couldn't show that drama on, on screen. Really. We learned about all that secondary sources from podcasts and different things and social media and this, that, and the other. Um, and just it clearly made it harder on them to film as of course it is. And obviously none of that, none of it, it's a con as far as, you know, it hurts the season a little bit, but it's, it's a pro as far as hats off to this whole production crew yet again, doing a season in these circumstances and being able to do a good successful season in these circumstances. is absolutely amazing that they pull, pull it off and, you know, that they pulled it off with double agents and everything else. Um, but it does still, it, you know, it, it still hurts the season. It hurts, it hurts the product as it's hurting any sport or any sh- reality show that's filmed in the real world with other people interacting and around, and, you know, it's hurt, it's hurting everything all across the world. So those are some of your pros and cons overall. Again, C plus for the, the season. I, I kind of want to give it a B minus, but I'm going to keep it at a C plus and keep, uh, just basically leave it one lower to try to remove my own personal bias and try to be a little bit, uh, take to into not, not just go with whatever. I think the, the consensus out there, I would say the fan consensus is potentially lower than a C plus or other commentators like myself, independent commentators might be lower than that, but I want to go from B minus to C plus just, to just, to acknowledge that I might be higher than others on the season, but in my mind, when it's all said and done, when I have to add this to the ledger, when I eventually do the ranking every season of the challenge, best seasons of all times, you know, this could be right up there with the other, the B minuses and the Bs. We'll, we'll see when that day comes. Final overall thoughts. Uh, it was, regardless, it was better than Total Madness and Double Agents. So it was a step, a little bit step up and step in the right direction from the last two seasons, in my opinion. Those were definitely in the D plus, C minus maybe a C at best, uh, territory. Um, and we're even worse just considering the, the shitty it is to say opportunity that total madness presented of being kind of the only content out there at the beginning of the pandemic or a couple months in everyone's locked down, all the production stopped and this was ready to go and was coming out and could have grabbed the attention of the world. If it was an amazing season, if it was an A season, 
were in a whole different stratosphere and fell short. So this season, a step up from the previous two. We had the good crop of rookies that kind of can hopefully maybe jumpstart a little bit of a new era. Uh, we got some decent storylines moving forward from the vets to play upon. CT coming back, going for that GOAT title, like unequivocal GOAT title. We've got some new friends, some new uh, allies, some new enemies. And yeah, we got this great group of rookies to hopefully bring back a subset of and, you know, bring them back season after season and hopefully get a couple new legends, all stars, you know, all time Hall of Famers out of that crop. Final thing to touch on before we move into awards is related to the season at large, and that's the ratings. We talked about it a couple different times during the season. The ratings were kind of bad. They were really low. They were down. Um, but there's a couple caveats that we never really talked about with that um, that I just want to touch on right here at the end of our kind of high-level view, and that is one. They, re- they recovered a little bit. The end of the season, they had better ratings than most of the beginning or middle. Um, overall, it still was on ap- average viewership was the lowest of all time for the challenge, which sounds just horrific. But the thing that isn't mentioned when that is said is one, streaming. And those were those are like live ratings and live plus like 24 hours, I think maybe in some instances, but it is not live plus views on you know mtv.com if you have a login, Paramount Plus whenever it goes up on there. Um, or uh, you know, people that might be streaming it illegally in different places. And then the big, the big, big thing is that the whole obvious point from production standpoint of this is we took it global and we're trying to get audiences in all these new places. And in all those new places, the show airs at wildly different times. If you follow all these, all the new rookies from this season on Instagram, you would learn like, oh, uh, these are not accurate, but uh, hypotheticals that actually explain what really was happening would be like, oh, Bettina is you know, doing an IG post about episode five. I watched episode 10 last night or like Esther and Tatcha are talking about the premiere episode and I'm on episode four or five or the UK, it runs on the Monday after the Wednesday that it runs in America. And so what if we added all the numbers up? Did one, we don't know, or I don't know at the moment, I don't know if it's been said or not, if there's numbers out there to dissect, but did the global thing work? Did we act, did, did they actually get audiences in other parts of the world in different countries? You know, was Romania tuning in? Was the UK tuning back in to more or higher level than they did when, you know, War of the Worlds won? Um, you know, do, did anyone in Nigeria care the way they seem to care about the big brother franchise that's in Nigeria or Tasha or Esther in general? Do they watch this? Um, does those, do those count for anything? Are those as valuable to MTV, to Paramount, to Buna Murray as the ones in the States? So the ratings ultimately weren't nearly as bad as they're being made out to be because of these other factors from mostly streaming and people not watching it live, but also because of trying to secure this viewership around the world and all the numbers we ever see are just in the States. Um, and so we don't really, really know, but it was at least positive to see that the latter part of the season, the ratings ticked up and up and up a little bit the last four or five episodes when normally, again, that's kind of going the other way. So overall, it there were moments of panic. There were moments of, is this a big disaster? And I think those were pretty much avoided. And I'd be interested in seeing eventually what, you know, what all stars, what kind of numbers those are getting on strictly streaming service only and what kind of numbers, um, 
you know, see this season gets when it gets put on Paramount Plus to be able to stream after the fact, what numbers it gets if you add in plus seven days and everyone that went to MTV.com and watched it the next day or two days later or the weekend after whatever. I can tell you from doing this podcast, you know, I don't have some massive listenership by any means. I appreciate every one of you out there that does listen, but I can tell you the just guessing off of based on when people are listening to these recaps uh, to each recap I'm doing, not everyone's watching the show on Wednesday. Certainly it's pretty spread out. Um, people listening to these, uh, you know, right away, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, even the next Tuesday. Um, so I definitely think there's people watching this, you know, that are like, I'm busy. I work a uh, second shift or whatever. And I watch it every weekend. It's my thing I do on Saturday or Sunday, whatever. Um, so ratings, not a disaster. That's where we were going with that. Those are our overall thoughts. Let's then move into the awards. Let's talk about some specific moments from throughout the season, some specific players from throughout the season. We're going to hand out a whole bunch of awards. So let's move into that segment now and give out the end of season hardware. All righty. Lots of trophies to hand out. uh, Recap or agenda here again. We set it up top, but real quick, we are going to do Best daily challenge, best elimination, best moment, best quote, best or better, best, best love triangle, best beef, male rookie of the year, female rookie of the year, female vet of the year, male vet of the year, and MVP of the season. That is five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven awards. We are going to try to do so as quickly as we can and without with as few mistakes as possible, because there's also a good chance that I say the wrong the wrong episode, the wrong name of a challenge or whatever for lots of these, or even attribute something to the completely wrong person. We will see, but let's kick it off. The best daily challenge. Now, love it or hate it, plenty of people on both sides. This show is made up of a show and a sport. We talk about it all the time. We're going to touch on the best offerings from the sports side first with daily challenge elimination, then offer the best from the show side with a whole bunch of stuff after that. But from the athletics side, the sports side, the best daily challenge. I thought as a whole, they did a a pretty good job. I'd say above average compared to other seasons, um, you know, relative to the show and grading on the show's its own show scale. I thought this season was kind of above average that they, especially compared to last season. While yes, everything still had to be named after or feature some sort of spy lingo or have a safe or a gem or something in it. I do thought that they took another a step in the right direction with the daily challenges again and made them, uh, on the whole, average better. But the best of the best. Out of 17, let's see, there's 19 episodes. Uh, one of them is two-parter, and one of them is a final. So what, 16 daily challenges in total this season? I got seven of them that made the list as the best of the season, and those in order of when we saw them were third episode, Sea Cave Recon, the one where they, as partners still in pairs, they had to jump down off the rocks into the water. You might remember Huey being horrified and throwing up and then Ashley still giving him a kiss uh, after he throws up to give him some confidence and whatever. Uh, That whole part was hilarious, but they jump in the water, they swim into the cave, get some gyms, swim out, ride those little propeller things over to the beach and put the bomb in. Tommy gets injured during this, finishes without his pants on and fully concussed, but still somehow finishes. Uh, I believe Ed and Tori win, but that one, really, really good one. Really liked a lot about that. Episode nine then, second nominee, bombshell battle, essentially mud wrestling with soccer balls. There was the deal-making at the end between Logan and Ed and Nelson. The whole thing, we, you know, 
obviously I and many, many fans are partial to the pole wrestle hall brawl balls in triumvirate of physical eliminations. And there's usually a version of all of those three in the dailies that I am also very partial to. This was one of those. So bombshell battle episode nine, third nominee episode 11, satellite sabotage. Other teams spraying you with water, jumping around like a little frog on the little different pedestals you go all the way around. Kyle makes a brutal mistake and jumps and lands. Instead of doing the leap of faith to pull the plug, his team loses. Ruby could have got that win. It was very fun, and there were a lot of people laughing as they spray the water. The visuals were good. It was dramatic, and it's just that good kind of like silly physical uh, that you know makes for a great daily challenge. Fourth nominee, episode 13, Sunken Intelligence. This is the Amanda Titanic moment. They're unraveling the rope from the ship under the water and then uh, forget dragging it to land, dragging the or clipping it to the, the chest, dragging the chest to land, mostly for the Amanda Titanic moment, throwing that challenge and just there was a lot of a lot of drama within that one and visually was kind of fun and cool. So that one's nominated. Fifth nominee, episode 14, Submerged. This was the plain one. We saw it so many times in so many, you know, preview clips and the mid-season trailer, the beginning season trailer. They're in the plane. They drop the plane in water. I just thought it was really, really cool. The Top Gun gear and outfit was great. Uh, it was very dramatic. Who ended up winning? Yet again, it's like, can Ruby pull this off? Big T losing her wig. Um, Amanda losing her shit. Um, everything about that one, really, really good. Then we had episode 15, Boom Raiders, three-way hall brawl. What more can we say? Super dramatic, big hits all around, all kinds of strategy, you know, people shit in the bed, everyone get riled up. That one was awesome. And then the final nominee, Dead Drop from episode 17. This is the one where CT just won on his own um, and was another, you know, overwater, a little bit silly. The other team gets to, you know, throw the balls at you, but mostly just for the performance of CT and how dominant he was and how fun, much fun it made watching that one. So those are your seven nominees, best daily challenge. All seven of those were really, really good. The best of the season, but the best of the best. <sighs> you know, I'm a, I'm a biased guy to the physical stuff. And, but this, this physical one lived up to everything that you would want when laying this out. When, if you're a producer, you're putting it on the schedule and saying, we're doing this type of daily challenge at this moment of the season. And that's boom Raiders, the three-way hall brawl. It, it went as Great as they could have ever hoped from a produce, production standpoint. Uh, people got hit in big, big ways without getting hurt. And there was a bunch of drama. There was a strategy going in. There was a team up. There was someone making a stupid mistake in Kyle. And then everyone else yelling and going against each other. There was, you know, chest puffing out. All kinds of stuff. And it was a little, you know, dramatic by the end of it. Everything about it. So Boom Raiders, episode 15, best daily challenge of the season. Now, for our other sporting event. The eliminations. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, another seven nominees here. And again, as we said during kind of the list of pros of the season, the eliminations were really, really strong throughout. Even if it was a little, there was a lack of suspense because it was always, you know, it was these rookies going home and it was rookie versus rookie, rookie versus rookie. And we kind of, there was a lack of suspense of who was going in, but the actual eliminations themselves really in the layer uh, as this season was known were really, really Good. So we'll go through the seven nominees again, the cream of the crop. And we had, I don't even know how many eliminations we ended up with. I mean, because we had the night of eliminations, we had two more in the final itself, probably 20, 21, 22 total eliminations on the season. But with that, seven of them made the cut as nominees for the best of the season. 
again in order here. Episode three, <clears throat> Berna versus Tatcha slipping up. This is where they had to build the ladder out of the poles and balance on their way up. So they couldn't, the ladder would easily fall down. It was just resting on the little notches. Berna gets hit in the face with one of the poles, cuts her nose, so she wins with all bloody nose. Tatcha afterwards, you know, calls out Tori on her way out. The whole thing was great and a really impressive showing from two rookie women. Then we had episode four, Corey and Michelle versus Huey and Amber in Down to the Wire. There was the shit talking throughout between Corey and Huey that was just borderline iconic stuff from the two of them. There was mistakes all over the place. The dropped key, the the you know bad communication there was a big comeback two different times it was like oh Corey michelle again smoked whoa now they're in the lead now they're gonna win whoa huey and amber big comeback they win amber flips over the final bar everything about it it was intense it was hilarious it was suspenseful josh this is the one where josh freaks out at fessy beforehand that one really really had everything early on in the season third nominee then episode seven emmy versus esther hall brawl of course any hall brawl if it's any good competition at all is going to make a list like this. This one for sure does a big, big battle between Emmy and Esther. Some big hits. They add the little, the small twist of instead of running out of the end to ring your bell, you climb up at the end to ring your bell, but that adds a little fencing. So when you meet in the middle, you can pull yourself along the little fencing. A little bit of a twist on a classic hall brawl, but still a football pads hall brawl, though less. It was a bet, a big one. Um, and Emmy getting that first solo win every, you know, she eventually goes four for four and won't be the only time she's on this list. Fourth nominee, then episode nine, Corey and Bettina versus Amber and Jeremiah hanging the balance. Huge comeback from Corey and Bettina. Bettina kind of, you know, gets her moment to shine. Corey gets a bit of a moment to shine on a season where he was much more in the background than he's kind of probably ever been on any season. A champion loses and goes down and, Everything about that, I thought that was maybe the most suspenseful of all of the eliminations of the season, even if I might just be thinking that because it was such a big comeback, but it was so interesting to see how difficult it proved to be and how fail after fail after fail, and it was an endurance thing, and it was a patience and communication thing, and loved everything about that one. Fifth nominee, episode 11, Kyle Versed, Paul Russell, an absolute headbanger, still can't believe Ed lost, um, and that's not anything against Kyle, that's just... Couldn't believe that I'd lost that, but should believe it because Kyle builds that resume even more. Another person added to his win list in pole wrestle. It was an absolutely wonderful, wonderful, you know, again, similar to Hall Brawl. If it's any good at all, pole wrestle is making this end of season list. But this one was a fantastic one, a great one. Hats off to Kyle for somehow winning that, even if he knocked out my favorite rookie, Ed. Buzz episode, uh, episode nominee number six, episode 16. Emmy versus Big T, License to Chill, the ice bath puzzle combo, Big T's second chance, Emmy's third or fourth elimination at this point, another solo win, loved a lot about this one, loved the TJ getting to just be cruel and make them jump in the ice for no other reason, just to make them be super cold while doing the puzzle, really, really enjoyed that one, and you know the saying goodbye to Big T that we kind of know in the moment is our last time saying goodbye to her potentially as she's, you know, quote unquote, retired from the show. Seventh and final nominee, then episode 17, Emmanuel versus Logan rocket run. I talked about it when we did this episode. I just found this, this to be a really cool and interesting elimination, just a pure endurance challenge. 
um, with a, a bit of strategy at how to save that endurance. Another one where TJ, he got cruel there at the end of the season with, you know, 16, 17 back-to-back license to chill rocket run, um, really putting these people through some intense, intense stuff. So those are your seven nominees. As for the winner, the best elimination of the season, I'm actually going to go against, I, I, you know, as I'm writing these out ahead of time, I select the winner and I'm going against my own self 30 minutes ago, whatever, when I typed this out and wrote this out, I got to say episode four, Corey and Michelle, Huey and Amber (laughs) down to the wire. Everything about that elimination was so much fun. And if there was one, I guess the best way to decide this is if there was an elimination, if you told me you get to watch one elimination from the season again, or, you know, you have to do a breakdown video of it, or just, you know, only one gets to live on. We put one in the hall of fame from every single season. One gets picked. I think I would pick that one. Uh, the shit talking is just amazing. The mistakes make it suspenseful. It's a very interesting physical puzzle with two people having to do it together. You add communication, it adds everything you'd want out of a good elimination. Amber with the flip at the end, uh, and getting to say, fuck you to Fessy for throwing her in everything about it. That's, that's your elimination of the season. So hats off Huey and Amber winning the best elimination. I was, I was really Corey, Bettina, Amber, Jeremiah, hanging the balance and Kyle versus Ed and pole wrestle, um, was where I was thinking about going. So maybe they'll get second and third place, a, a nice silver and bronze medal. Now that's the sport. That's the sports side. We got their best daily. We got our best elimination. Now let's talk a little more the show side of things. And let's start it off with our best moment of the entire season, best moment of the season. And will be said from the start, this, none of these during the season, episode by episode, when we give out best moment, we could include a daily or an elimination. If it was the best moment of the episode, it could win. None of those are up for grabs here. We're talking best moment. That wasn't an actual, it could be something that happened in a daily or an elimination potentially, but none of those are kind of off the table. They had their own awards. So best moment essentially from the house or from the non-athletic moments of the show. And we've got a lot of nominees. So let's just run through them here real quick. Again, in order by episode, episode one, Devin starting the whole thing off coming out in his nice, uh, leopard print, I believe, or some sort of exotic cat print thong with the cake and the entrance and the whole thing. Uh, just fantastic stuff. And it really, set a good early vibe for while it, it dwindled by the end of the season, but there was a, there was the party vibe was back. The fun was back in the challenge house and it had definitely been missing for a couple seasons. And I think that moment kind of epitomized how at the beginning of this, it was a very fun and very wild atmosphere in the house. Devin's thong entrance episode two, another Devin one. Um, some of these are going to be really small moments, but I just think we're such unbelievable and amazing. And, um, uh, you know, couldn't help but put them up for the best moment of the year. And episode two is one of those super small moments, but Devin yelling out to Ed that it's a map of the world. So during the elimination, uh, Ed and Emmy versus Kels and Tracy, they have to pick up all the pieces off the ground with the magnet or whatever. And then they got to put the puzzle together and Ed's putting it together. He's doing it very fast. It's very clearly a map of the world. And as Ed almost has it done. He has 75% of like six of the eight pieces or whatever it is up on his thing. And Devin yells out, Ed, it's a map of the world. Ed just calmly turns around. like, I know I'm a Harvard engineer. I can see like, I'm not an idiot here. Just love that moment. Then we got two moments from episode four that made the cut. First one, CT and Huey working out. 
uh, or CT trying to help Huey work out or teach him some of his workout techniques and just a nice little bonding moment between them. That was fantastic. And I will remember that for a long time and be envious of Huey for a long time. Um, and envious of CT too. I would love to work out with either of those humans, uh, or both of them at the same time. If they, if they catch a workout together again, I would love to be a part of that. Then also in episode four, the iconic moment from TJ, we talked earlier, Josh and Fessy are yelling at each other about throwing an Amber and they yell and they yell and they yell and they yell some more and they yell some more. And then they keep yelling. And then Josh moves a few steps closer and they keep yelling and they keep yelling. And the whole time TJ just doesn't give a shit. He just, he gets his phone out. He's checking his text. He's like, what else do I got to film the rest of tonight? How long is it going to be till we get out of here? TJ checking his phone nominee for moment of the year. Then we, we got to put it up for nomination because it was as big of a moment as the season had, even if it, I don't know if it was necessarily my favorite, but uh, episode six slash seven, the pizza fight and the ensuing DQ and the fight between Josh and Fessy and Corey and Tori instigating it. That was obviously as big of a moment. You know, they did a two-part episode with the cliffhanger for it for a reason. It's a huge, huge moment. It's got to get nominated. Then next nominee, episode 10, Big T telling Logan the bedtime story from straight from Satan himself, straight out of hell. This this story, I forget all of the details, but I know it included someone stabbing their eyes out, and it was not romantic in the slightest, and it was the moment that Logan realized maybe Big T and I aren't meant to be together forever. Maybe we're better off as friends because this bedtime story is the opposite of what I was expecting right now. That moment was fantastic, and I would love to hear the full story from Big T um, sometime in the future. Next nominee, episode 11, Amanda explaining childbirth to Kyle. We talked at length about it when we did that recap podcast, but and again, shit, they should have shown segment on the reunion. I get it. You can't put whatever length this conversation was in real time. You can't put that whole thing in the episode. Just put it on the internet, put it somewhere, put it on one of your Instagram pages, put it in the shit they should have shown, put it in the reunion, put it somewhere. I want to see the full length version of Amanda and Kyle talking about childbirth because it was gold. Next nominee, Big T on her floaty, almost going over the edge. That was in episode 12. She puts the face mask on, grabs a bowl of grapes, I think. She hops on the floaty. She's just chilling, having the best time ever. And then, oh my God, she almost goes over the edge. Tori has to come pull her back with the you know, the little pool cleaning tool. That moment was fantastic. And then the final two nominees, both from the finale, episode 19. First one, Nani's emotional, vulnerable, really wonderful confessional before facing Casey, just about where she's come and their relationship and everything it means to her. And that was just really, really, you know, it was a really impactful moment. It was really heartwarming, even if, um, even if it was also that, you know, that horrible, bittersweet, like, I can't believe these two have to go against each other right now. This is just heart wrenching and gutting, but also just, you know, it was wonderful to see Nani have, have that kind of outpouring and be that vulnerable and share all that with us that we've been with her for so long. We know her so well. And, you know, having that little moment was great, great moment. And then of course, final one, CT and Casey winning. It's got to be mentioned as one of the moments of the year. It's the, you know, it's the moment everything's all pointing towards and culminating to is who wins and CT and Casey both winning. We talked about before satisfying victories for them. So those are all your nominees for the best moment of the season. But if there could only be one, and there only is going to be one, it's got to be episode 11, Amanda explaining childbirth to Kyle. I think 
is is without a doubt. I will put all I will put almost all of these up as uh, polls on on Instagram sometime in the coming days. But I think this one, everyone can agree that was just so funny. And we we only saw like ninety seconds of it. Again, please put out the full length version. But Amanda explained childbirth to Kyle was my favorite moment of the entire season. Then, best quote. Next up, best quote. We've got a bunch of them to run through. We will try to do so quickly. We'll play the full versions for you here from the show, those watching on YouTube. Sorry if you can't watch on YouTube because the episode gets pulled off of there for playing these clips again, but we'll do so again in order from the earliest to the latest. First and number one has to be mentioned somewhere. Bettina, episode two, and it's not a quote, it's just a laugh, Uh, but that laugh got a lot of play and a lot of love commentary out in the fandom and social media and the cast itself and in the show so here is that laugh one final time from Bettina today we'll see (laughs) then we've got Huey so many things we we could have picked a top 10 Huey quotes just from the few episodes he was on but none better than his reaction to Ashley trying to take control and tell everyone what's what during an elimination and referring to her as an iconic Disney character. So let's hear straight from Huey himself. Okay, we're not here to freaking compliment each other. We're here to figure out who's going into elimination. So let's stop playing these games. Jesus Christ, Cruella. (laughs) I mean... I know they already remade the Cruella movie, um, and uh, I haven't watched it, but I'm sure uh, one of my favorite people, Emma Stone, crushes it. But if they need to make another one and Emma's not available, Ashley as Cruella kind of works in a little weird way. Then we've got Gabo. Gabo episode five is your next best quote nominee. Honestly, anything he would have said in that episode. That episode's recap was uh, the best quote of that episode was a basically a fight between six different things Gabo said. This is the episode he eventually gets eliminated. So it's a very Gabo-centric episode. Anything he says in that episode could be nominated, but we'll go with the the nominee of that big group is when he prays to his God, Mike, the situation. So let's hear that from him. He got it. He, he got, got it. it. Mike, the situation, listen, my praying. I'm praying to Mike, the situation right now. So I'm sure we're going to win. It's not right. Then we move to our fourth nominee, Esther, episode seven, when discussing Amber and her dislike for Amber and the fact that she may or she did throw a drink in Amber's face during the whole Josh, Fessy, Amber, Esther dispute. Uh, she somewhat apologizes, but in, uh, in, in, in a very fun way for us watching at home, you could say, in a very snarky way. So let's hear that straight from her. I shouldn't have done that. Nobody deserves that, regardless of how I feel about them. I'm sorry, Amber. I have no issues towards you. I still think that you're a pretender and you're fake, but regardless, I'm sorry that I spewed a drink in your face. Everyone. 
uh, backhanded apology if I've ever heard one. Next nominee then is Corey in episode nine to Josh. And this is one, you know, we always love when it's a non-confessional quote. It's in the moment. They got the wit, the smart, the humor, the charm in the moment. They don't get any time to think about it or react to a question from a producer. Those ones always, I love in the field quotes of the week or now of the season nominees. And this one, he and Josh are arguing back and forth and back and forth. And Josh mentions trying to get to a final and Corey just takes that knife and digs it right into Josh's side a little bit. So let's hear Corey's barb to Josh over the final. We could go down. There's a lot more than just a mud pit in this competition too. I know. It's a final. Something you ain't been to. So shut up, bro. Then next up, we got Kyle. Two nominees in a row from Kyle. Both Uh, actually three nominees from Kyle. We're just going to say them all in a row here. They'll be slightly out of order episode wise, but episode 10, he, the T is the episode. The teams are made and he assesses the three teams and their original format. And he thinks one team is going to shine above all with only one single weakness to even look at in any way. So let's hear Kyle's assessment of the Emerald cell. The Emerald squad, they have literally everything. They don't have a weakness. Their only weakness is if you say something mean to Josh and he ends up crying for half an hour. Look at the group that just... Kyle nominee number two. And again, like Huey, honestly like Gabo from that single episode, but Kyle could add so many nominees. He'd had so many throughout the season, episode by episode. He could add so many for the season long one. His next nomination from episode 11 from that iconic conversation with Amanda about childbirth, what he thought having a baby would be like. So let's hear that one. I just thought the baby came out and it had a bow on top of its head and it was smiling and everything was good. And it will go, hi, dad. And I'll go, hey, man, how's it going? This is horrible. I never realized pregnancy was this brutal. And then third and final nominee from Kyle, also related to the teams. He flips teams throughout the season. He goes to uh, Ruby. He goes to Sapphire. He wants to be on Emerald. He can. He goes back to Ruby. And when he goes back to Ruby, he, I mean, his his sarcasm and commentary on the teams all back half of the season long was fantastic. And that's why two of those comments ended up being nominated here for the quote of the season. So the third and final quote that's nominated from Kyle about being back on Ruby. Let's hear that. I'm actually really excited to be back on Ruby. I've been a Ruby guy since day one. My main plan was to come back to Ruby. Yes. Then speaking of Ruby, we've got Amanda episode 13. She also went joining for the first time, the Ruby team, Ruby Cell, excuse me, I should get that right by now as we're on the way out of the season. But she she comments on the color in the Ruby in the team and everything in general. Let's hear that from her. So I'm now on the Ruby Cell. Love the color. Hate the team. No one has welcomed me. And honestly, they're all acting like I'm this terrible player. If they're going to not welcome me on their team and they're going to treat me like I'm a player, then I'm going to act like a player. So they better watch how they treat me. <laughs> That one st- sticks with me. For, it's, it's probably not going to win, but that one, just love the color, hate the team. Sticks with me so, so much. Um, I feel like that's going to be a great, somehow they're going to turn that into a great meme or gif, whatever you want to call it. All those kiddos out on the internets. Then last two nominees, CT, two from him, episode 12, discussing how he's not, in fact, Oprah, even though, yes, he's probably on her level as far as success and 
awesomeness and just overall dominance of life in general, but let's hear that from him. I'm not Oprah. I can't just give away finals, okay? You're gonna have to earn it. You can't weasel your way into a championship. And then CT again, episode 17. A all-time uh, cocky statement that's totally deserved, just charm and wit when he Zoom calls home to his child and his wife, and he mentions, you know, I could come home, you just want me to come home right now, or would you like me to, you know, stay and win again? And just the bravado of it, let's hear, let's hear it from him himself. <laughs> should, I, should I come home right now? I should yes. come home. Or should I stay here and win another million? That's not fair when you put it like that. No, if I'm not, i just leave. No, it's fine. Now, noticeably absent from this list, and I don't know how. I didn't realize until now as I'm going through all of them, but somehow Devin's not on this list. Shout out to Devin, who provided an amazing quote after amazing quote all season long. Some amazing, wonderful confessionals. We'll talk about Devin here in a little bit. But somehow none of them, I guess, I actually picked for the quote of the year, but I know he won quote of the week a time or two and was nominated is Kyle is probably the only one nominated more than than Devin. Maybe Amanda, Kyle, Amanda, and Devin, certainly the three most nominated for quote of the week throughout the season. But as for the best quote of the season, it's none of those three. As much as, you know, I feel like Kyle deserves it with his three nominees here, um, as much as, you know, Huey really provided the laughs in those few episodes we had with him. As much as there were some really good shots being taken, Corey, you know, final something you ain't seen. Um, CT with the cockiness, should I stay and win another million? Bettina's laugh, all of it. I've got to give this award to Gabo because I have never seen a single episode dominated in the quote department the way episode five was dominated by Gabo and the way it had Twitter and Instagram and all of social media and Reddit just rolling over in laughter over and over and over again and the prayer to mic the situation and just that episode, that performance was was really something from Gabo. So I'm giving that prayer to mic the situation the best quote of the entire season. Now, Let's move into then. We still got a lot of awards to go. We're only maybe halfway through here. So let's move into some more some more fun awards, or I guess awards we haven't been doing episode by episode, but we've got to talk about here at the end of the line. First one, best love triangle of the season. Now, you might not have put this together, but if you really sit there and think, you realize there is five different instances of some not a full-on love triangle where there's at, but uh, a version of it for certain where three people are intertwined with one person at the, you know, between the two of them and some arguments and some messiness and some romance that came from those. So the five nominees for the best love triangle of the season. First, we got Emmanuel, Michelle, and Tori, where Emmanuel and Michelle tells her he loves her, they're together, she goes home early, now there's Tori, and they're together, and they might even be together post-season, so you got that one, um, you got the, you know, the very memorable plumbing scene between Tori and Emmanuel of getting caught by Big T in the bathrooms, claiming they're just fixing the plumbing, uh, a lot of wonderful moments, really, with Emmanuel and Tori. There were some really fun moments with Emmanuel and Michelle before those ones. So that's nominee number one. Nominee number two, speaking of Tori, 
Tori, on her own right, with Kells, maybe, maybe not, seems like maybe yes. More, the more we find out after the fact, or more she kind of even alludes to herself during the reunion. And then he goes home, and you know, Michelle's going home, so now Tori and Emmanuel. So, Emmanuel, Michelle, Tori, Tori, Kells, Emmanuel, both nominated. Then we got Nelson with the action, the, the one that was the most love triangle of these love triangles, which is Nelson, Ashley, and Berna. Nelson and Ashley, unbeknownst to fans, come into the house, having recently moved not in together, but down the street from each other and taken their friendship to kind of a benefit situation. No one kind of each having their own opinions of what that means now that they're in the house playing the game. Uh, we find out in the reunion, maybe Ashley kissed Gabo just just because one time. And so Nelson was like, I guess we ain't together. Now me and Berna can get together and I'm in love with her. And now she's my girlfriend. And now Ashley's throwing a fit. And now Berna doesn't know what to do. And now Nelson, at least for his part, uh, most of the guys, you know, the guys look kind of bad in all of these situations. Uh, Nelson is the only one at the reunion who just straight up, they ask him like, did you lie? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, he's like, do you feel bad about it? Yep. Yep. D- didn't handle any of this well. So you know, at least he can be honest about it after the fact. I guess that's something. Uh, but that's nominee number three. Nominee number four, Josh and Esther and Ashley, question mark. We find out during the reunion that maybe Josh might have gotten some smooches with Ashley at some point. But we also know he was smooching with Esther. So what's going on there? And then the fifth and final nominee, of course, Fessy, Amanda, and Bettina. We never saw any of it until they kind of gave us that really brief clip on the reunion, but we know Fessy and Amanda were a thing, and then Fessy and Bettina maybe were kind of a a thing for a moment, and then Fessy and Amanda were a thing again, and now off of the show, they've been a thing sometimes and not other times, and sometimes and not other times. You throw in Michelle, post-show, you got Fessy, Amanda, Bettina, Amanda, Michelle, Amanda, woman in Orlando, Amanda, no one, huge messy fessy all the way during the season, postseason, everything. But best love triangle, we've got to go. Um, I've got to go with the one that was the most of an actual love triangle. And again, he did at least owned up to it after the fact. So Nelson, Ashley, Berna, my favorite love triangle of the season, the most dramatic potentially, even with all of Fessy's messiness in consideration. Most of that happened off show, not as much on show or that we saw. So Nelson, Ashley, Berna, congrats. Best love triangle of the season goes to you. Then we've got best beef. And this season, you know, it kind of lacked here and there sometimes. And because of the whole vet truce, you know, it didn't make, it wasn't as testy early on as it could have been. There wasn't as much uh, backstabbing as was as you would maybe hope for from a viewership standpoint. But again, it still led to that the more the more entertaining back half of the season. But we had some beefs regardless. We had Fessy versus Amber. That's nominee number one. We had Josh versus Fessy, nominee number two. Amanda versus Tori, nominee number three. Nominee number four, Tasha versus Tori. Uh, brief, just the one eviscerating comments from Tasha on her way out, but some beef there nonetheless. Priscilla and Ashley after Priscilla's move, the first time really trying to target any vets in any way at all. Michaela versus the house is nominee number six and Kells versus the house nominee number seven. Just mostly shouting out Michaela and Kells early on being the only ones who had any, any attempts at like, there's more rookies than vets. Seems like they're probably already just going to pick us and everyone immediately. The moment Michaela, you know, makes the list, everyone's against her. The moment a guy's day even is mentioned comes up. Everyone in the house is against Kells. Just want to get this new big, big, strong guy out of the house. 
a new big, strong, charismatic guy that's making friends too fast, and he looks like he could beat me up and beat me in any physical elimination. Let's get him out. So Kelzer versus the house, Michaela versus the house, Priscilla versus Ashley, Tatcha versus Tori, Amanda versus Tori, Josh versus Fessy, Fessy versus Amber. Best beef of the season. It has it has to go to the one that got the lasted the longest, more or less, and we got the most out of, and that's Amanda versus Tori. Uh, it went on after the season. It certainly didn't get squashed at the reunion. If there were a rival season in the future, you bet your ass these two are going to be partners. Um, and man, would that be some interesting television uh, to see. But they had the best beef. You know, Josh and Fessy was the most consequential. Got someone sent home. Maybe the wrong person sent home. Uh, Fessy versus Amber maybe had the biggest single firework and just Josh going off on Fessy at uh, in the layer and leading to the TJ on his phone moment. Um, you know, Priscilla's was great to see from a rookie, Michaela and Kells. It wasn't actually really a beef. It was just the whole house plotting against them. But in the end, Amanda versus Tori was the best beef of the season. Now, that concludes the uh, all the awards that aren't the now picking the best the best player awards. Um, and we're going to do rookie of the year and vet of the year, male, female, for both, before then ending with the MVP of the season. So let's move into those, those different category of awards, I guess, if you will. Let's start with the rookies, and let's start with the women, because I think this one is probably the easiest decision of, of pretty much any of these next five awards here. Uh, and that is so female rookie of the year nominees. First one, uh, we got four, four nominees, one winner, three, non, three non-winning nominees and one winner. I don't know how you want to say that four nominees. Yeah. They're all nominees. One of them wins. Michaela, if only we knew you longer, uh, gets the kind of, uh, there's going to be one of these on both sides from the rookie rookie standpoint, but Michaela, one episode, Hell of an episode. If you're only going to have one episode, you did a lot in that episode. We'll talk about grades at the end for every player, whether we want them back or not. But if we only knew you longer, I feel like if Michaela was there, 10 episodes would have been a threat to win Rookie of the Year. One episode, you, you can't come anywhere close to actually winning, but you got nominated. Then Esther and Priscilla. It, it was there. I know it was there. That's kind of what I how I label these these two as nominees, like, the rookie of the year, the potential was there, the ability was there, and it was starting to play out, and then they got eliminated just, you know, earlier than expected, or maybe, you know, earlier than it would have taken to actually win this award, but I saw the potential was there, and we start to, got to see it on display a couple times in a row. Esther Priscilla also nominated, so Michaela, Esther, Priscilla, all nominated for female rookie of the year, but obviously, without a doubt, this goes to no one else but Emmy Emmy wiped the floor with the competition. Four elimination wins, makes a final, gets third place, wins some money, has the Uncle CT, Mr. TJ, all of that, gets to release a hit single during the show, debut it on the show, and then sing it again at the reunion. She's got all kinds of amazing moments. She was the most awarded episode MVP of the season. I gave out an MVP of the episode, every single episode, all 19 of them. She won four times the most out of anyone. Now, there was some caveats to why, how that kind of happened, but mostly it was because she's freaking amazing and awesome and absolutely just dominated all season long. She started off strong with the, you know, 
she went full vet right away. Was immediately like, Michaela has a list. Episode one, that whole list episode was all started because of her immediately making inroads with different vets and wanting to give them information. There, you know, there's so many things that could be said about Emmy. Just absolutely dominant season, absolutely wonderful season, absolute beast. The song's a banger. The music's great. Emmy, 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 female rookie of the year, no doubt about it. Now, male rookie of the year. There's there might there's some doubts here. This is a harder one to pick. Um, five nominees that made the final the final uh, the final list here, the final ballot that got a votes here or there, but only one could win. Now those five nominees. First, Corey L and Kells. These two similar to the Michaela. If we only knew you longer, I feel like both of these guys had all the potential to be absolute amazing beasts wonderful on the show the sport everything about it and i think in their short time on the show they did a hell of a lot they made a big impact and they really they they deserve to get nominated for male rookie of the year even if it was short-lived so if we only knew you longer you probably could have been further gotten more votes for this award then we've got logan next logan nominated not winning but great season overall Kind of a little, you know, times where it was very quiet, very in the background, but we had, you know, the romance with Big T and some of the moments that came out of that. We had him holding up the chessboard, the decimated chessboard that he decimated when he got injured and was rooting on his team as they worked out. We had some elimination wins. We had an elimination loss. We had some shit talking. We had the bromance with Josh. It was a lot of great stuff from Logan all season long. And most importantly, we had looking at Logan uh, all season long it was just really wonderful to look at all season. And I should have mentioned, I can't believe I forgot as far as moments of the year, shout out since I forgot it during the best moments, but the, I don't remember what episode it was, maybe episode seven or eight when no, like 10 or 11, I don't know, little at mid season later in the season where Logan comes all the way from the bathroom on the second floor down to the kitchen on the first floor in his towel, just to join a conversation that he's not a part of in any way, mostly just so he can get on camera in his towel. Wonderful, wonderful moment. Ace move, super vet move. Great stuff from Logan, but he's nominated, doesn't win. And then this is the part that might be controversial. Then we got a Manuel, a Manuel second place male rookie of the year. Many would say he's the rookie of the year. He got the furthest. He had the elimination wins. He has the romance. He had a fantastic season. I love me some Emmanuel, the E-man, as many of them were calling him. He proved himself over and over again, physically, on the sport, in the show, the romance, the drama, uh, everything about it. Great, 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 great season. He was the most successful male rookie, but that doesn't always mean you are the rookie of the year. And with some obvious bias may be coming in if you've been listening all season to all the recaps. The male rookie of the year is Ed, and I won't hear any other answer. He had, if I had to pick one person, if I could only pick one male rookie, that you know, challenge producers came to me for casting help, as they should. If you're out there listening, Buda Murray, I'm here, I'm open, my email's available, my phone's available, I'm ready. If they came to me and said, Jacob, you get to pick one male rookie from this season that will be cast on next season and only one. The rest of them do not get cast. I'd have a very difficult time with that decision. Mostly the, the first five people would be the five that are nominated for this list. So with respect to Corey, Kells, Logan, and Manuel, I would say while it would be very difficult, it would still only take a couple seconds. I would be like, I need Ed. The show needs Ed. The fans need Ed. The house needs Ed. Ed, 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 all the way. Look, the, the comedy 
the 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 humor the 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 fun the energy the vibe he brings to the house all the stuff we want to see in from the show part the house part when people like myself and many many fans out there that feel even more strongly about it than me that want to see the random silly stuff in the house that want to hear the funny conversations and the jokes and the pranks and the uh, we're making up songs and singing, or we're talking to ourselves in mirrors, all that stuff. Ed brings that in spades. He's fantastic, clearly beloved by the rest of the house as a great source of energy and fun and joy in a house that can get really tedious and boring and depressing, you know, being stuck in it forever with sometimes people you don't like. And he brings all that, and he brings a ton physically in the sports side. And just from the moment he ran in without his shorts on looking like Peter Pan um, to the moment, you know, he goes out with honor of like, I'll go against Kyle, even though I got a hurt rookie up there I could go against. Um, He had some wins, a daily win, an elimination win all around. Uh, Again, if, if I boil it down to if I can only pick one to come back, I would pick Ed. I think it's a no brainer. And that is with, again, acknowledging how wonderful and successful of a season Emmanuel had and Logan had and how big of an impact in a short, short time Corey and Kells had and many of the other rookie guys. But that's my pick. Ed, you are the rookie of the year on the male side, Emmy on the female side. Now, all season long, they talk about rookie of the year. It's mentioned throughout. It's mentioned with Emmy a bunch over and over and over. But they, you know what they never talk about? They never talk about vet of the year. And if we're going to give rookie of the year, let's give a vet of the year as well. So we'll go guys first on this one. Male vet of the year. Four nominees, kind of five, I guess, kind of five. Four nominees, one of them could have been the other way, though. Those nominees are Josh, Nelson, CT, and Devin. Start with Josh. Josh is nominated. He has to be nominated. He, you know, controlled the game in a big way politically and socially. His team, Emerald, dominated, you know, winning challenge after challenge. And, you know, he did lose the elimination and go home short of the final, but he came in in hella good shape, in incredible shape, especially compared to where he was before, just the transformation he put on himself. You got to give shout outs and credit for that. That's an incredible amount of hard work. He's putting it in for sure every single day. Um, he had the best relationships in the house. His, part of his downfall was overpromising too many people. And the only reason you'd say he shouldn't be on this list is because it should have been Fessy on this list because Josh maybe should have been the one actually eliminated when he threw that glass in Fessy's face. Um, I felt, again, we'll say I think is worse than Fessy kind of smudging, smushing Josh's face with his hand. Um, Maybe neither should have went home. We're not going to litigate it for the 100th time. But Josh is nominated for the vet of the year, male vet of the year. Nelson makes the final. You know, uh, has a couple moments, never though, gets off, still hasn't won that daily challenge. We're now at like 52 straight losses in the daily challenge, but he's got the love triangle. He's got some good quotes here and there. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's always present. He's very present throughout the season. He's one of the few people that episode to episode, no matter what was going on, if he was in the storyline or not, you felt Nelson's presence. He made the final, really was hoping he could get that win, still shocked it. Not that he lost, but how easily he lost to Kyle in that final elimination during the final. But Nelson gets nominated for the male vet of the year. CT is nominated. He obviously wins. Um, he's Every time he's on screen is amazing. The more of him, the better. Obviously, he's the biggest value add this franchise has ever had. 
maybe ever will have, even now, still into this day, current day, present day, has today. Um, but with all that said, comes back in amazing shape. The, the Zoom calls are heartwarming with his family, but he still does sit in the background. He's not always that present. And that is why, that is the differentiator between why the male vet of the year is Devin, and it has to be Devin, and it's one I feel very strongly about, that there's not really an argument otherwise. If you just want to say it's CT because he wins, so be it. But again, winning doesn't mean you were the you know the best the best person of the season as far as the show is considered as well. It just means you won the money and you won the title, which is, means a lot. It means you were there the whole time and means you have a good argument for being the vet of the year, the rookie of the year, whatever. But Devin carried this show at times, literally put the show on his back early in the season and carried it. He ran the house politically and socially as much as Josh might have been the front base of it. It was Devin a lot behind the scenes. When Emerald came together, he was the leader of that team in a lot, a lot of ways. He was kind of doing a lot of the choice, making a lot of the choices of who went in when. Um, he held the Vet Alliance together as much as anything. He provided quotes after quote after quote, confessional after confessional, won daily challenges, won an elimination. All in all, uh, you know, is is a part much a part of storylines as anyone the whole season long. Devin is your vet of the year on the male side. Now, female side, three nominees: Casey, Tori, Amanda. Casey, she won obviously, and it's hats off to her. That's amazing, deserved. As we said before, very satisfying victory for her to get that win. Deserved is the class physically of this show, and needed to get that win under her belt. Glad to see it happen, the arc of coming back from the injury. And then you throw in, you know, her and Nani's relationship is just so wonderful and so awesome to watch. But then you remember, we barely saw any of it. We don't really see a lot of Casey other than when she's kicking ass in the dailies or if she ever goes into elimination, which she didn't. Um, and so that that's always going to be a detraction for her is that on the show part, she doesn't offer a lot. Her strategy doesn't allow for it. Her be in the background, tactical, strategic moves, keep my mouth shut, just win stuff over and over that doesn't make for the best television we've talked about that ad nauseum but she won she had the relationship with Nani which did give us some wonderful moments their date could have obviously probably should have been in the best moment category of the season um them going against each other in the elimination at the end her winning she's nominated for sure as is Tori Tori does a lot she's got the romance the love triangle ish or just different romantic partners at different times She's got a lot of drama as she's kicked off the team with uh, with Devin or with Josh. She's part of the instigating, her and Corey are the instigators of the Josh versus Fessy, you know, thing that led to a two-part big tumultuous moment in episodes. Um, and she, you know, dominates to nearly to the degree Casey does physically in the competition. She gets the revenge on Amanda to some degree carrying her in that final elimination all of that, she definitely you know stands out and gets nominated. So Casey and Tori nominated for Female Vet of the Year, but there's only one winner, and that is Amanda. How Devin carried the early episodes of this show and early parts of the season at times, Amanda straight up carried the second half of the show in a big, big, big way. Um, you know, clearly the one there, uh, there's a few of them, but is the one in that house that for sure knows we're here to make good television and I'm going to make good television while still trying to win this game with everything that I can. 
Um, she has beefs. She has romances. She stirs the pot. She has great moments in the deliberation room. She won an elimination. She, you know, pulled some of the, the biggest, not really even betrayals because they knew they were coming, but taking Tori's spot. And just she created the suspense and the drama the second half of the season that just wasn't there. And it wasn't there until she found a way to create it for herself and for the show. And she just did everything the show needed to get from a, a kind of lack of suspense, a lack of drama place to a really good high-end television show the last third, as we've said time and time again. That was mostly because of her. And so love her or hate her. Uh, you could think what you want of her commentary and who she likes and doesn't like and standards she maybe sets for others and doesn't always follow herself and how unbelievably good, and we saw this with the reunion, um, especially how great she is at avoiding um, how making everything about everyone else looking like shit and talking shit about them and dragging them through the mud and stirring up shit with them. But then when it turns to her relationships or anything she's doing, just being able to flip the tables again instantly and avoid any of that. I mean, it's just a masterclass in, in PR and branding and uh, personality and television and all, all kinds of things. So she is the vet of the year on the female side. So we got Devin and Amanda, your vets of the year, Emmy and Ed, your rookies of the year. As for your MVP of the season, we're going to do a full top five. All the ballots were brought in. I cast about 50 of them myself. No one else had a, had a ballots here. So this is my decision in the end, but five top five for MVP of the season. We, we just talked about all of them at one point, so we don't have to get too much into it, but five to one, fifth place, Tori, fourth place, CT, third place, Emmy, the highest rookie, the rookie of the year, male, female, whatever, just pure rookie of the year. And again, shout out four time M episode MVP, the most of anyone. Ed had two episode MVPs. CT had two. Devin had two. Amanda had two, probably could have had a whole lot more, honestly, really. Um, and uh, yeah, Kyle, Corey, Ashley, Berna, Huey, those, Gabo, Priscilla, those are the rest of the people that got an episode MVP. But <clears throat> Emmy, third place MVP, unbelievable season for her. Second then, it comes down to the vets. Second, Devin, first, Amanda. Amanda is the MVP of this season. And for all the reasons we just said, uh, the second half of the season, the last third of the season was fantastic, was great, and she was leading a majority of that from the relationship with Fessy and everything that gave us in the show and outside of the show and on the podcast and the Instagram and all the things, the, the Instagram live she was doing throughout the season, um, and just the quotes, the moments, the beef, the love triangles, everything all in, being great great television. Amanda is your MVP of season 37, Spies, Lies, and Allies. So that is your final award. That was a lot of them. That was a whole lot of them, but that's those are your trophies. They've been handed out. We will uh, we will await each and every one of those award winners acceptance speeches. You can DM me those over on Challenge Historian, and I will feel free to post them. If anyone of these cast members actually does that, that would be unbelievable and amazing. So Amanda, Devin, Emmy, Ed, Nelson, Berna, Ashley, Gabo, uh, Amanda, Kyle, 
uh, Corey, Michelle, Huey, Amber, um, or I guess kind of Josh for Boom Raiders, anyone that won one of these awards, feel free. Send your acceptance speech my way at Challenge Historian on Instagram, and we will share those. But for now, we've got to move into our final segment. The last thing we've got to do, we've talked about everything ad nauseum here about the season, but we're going to end this thing with some grades, some grades for every single player. We previewed at the very beginning of the season, before the season even started, we previewed all 34, 35 ended up being players on this show. We're going to give them all a grade now on the way out. So let's move into that. Challenger grades. The final thing here then, and the way this is going to work, we're going to do all the vets first, rookie second. No, let's flip-flop. No, yeah, it's more fun to do it that way based the way we're going to do this. And the way that we're going to do this is this. It's not necessarily a grade for how they did on the season. It's kind of that in a way, but it's more so a grade of do I want them back? So this is very much my personal feelings, all the biases involved. I'm not like I gave for the season. I, you know, downgraded by one spot just because I wanted to be, try to remove a little bit of my own bias and be a little more objective here. I'm not, these are my opinions, hundred percent. I don't care what's out there from a fan perspective or other commentators perspective. This is what I think. And again, it's, it's mostly, do I want them back? So the way these grades will work, A, B, C, D, F, again, A, absolutely gotta be back. A B means better be back. I really think they should. They're a good value add. C could, you know, you could bring them back for sure. Uh, I'm not going to be, you know, fighting tooth and nail to make it happen. I'm not going to be leading the marketing campaign, but uh, you certainly could. They would deserve a spot again. D, don't do it. Don't bring them back. They don't need to. They're not, they're not good enough or they don't bring the value or they just, they're not needed. Don't do it. F, F right on out of here. Absolutely fuck out of here. The idea of them coming back is asinine, ludicrous, horrible, horrendous. F, all right? So A, absolutely. B, better. C, could. D, don't. F, right on out of here. That's how these grades for the season will work. We'll start with the vets uh, because the rookie second is a little more interesting. Those ones are the a little bit bigger of a question. Most of these vets, we kind of know Um if it's going to happen or not, or we kind of know kind of where production stands on them a little bit based on their resume thus far. But in order of how, I guess this is, I copy paste this from actually from our preview podcast, which was in order of how many appearances on the challenge they had had. So from youngest vet to oldest vet, as far as seasons of the challenge here, we will start with Nam. Nam, he gets a B. Left after episode one, Due to the COVID pause, it fucked up his scheduling and timing. He had to leave. At least that's what we're made to be known, I think, after the fact. This one, heavy bias here. Give my man a real chance. He's gotten two seasons. First one, he gets partnered with Lolo Jones. It's a catastrophe. And then he fucks his back up, gets medically DQ'd. Second season coming in. Amazing. They brought him back. Can't believe it. And then COVID ruins his chances of continuing and he leaves during the first episode. So B, better bring Nam back. Amber, Amber B gets a B. She was eliminated in episode nine. She brings the show sport easy as that. She's a champion and she does wonderful. Can't believe she was an alternate this season. That seems a little disrespectful. And uh, yeah, I think she did plenty enough. Better be brought back in the future. She gets a B. Fessy, an absolute A, absolutely. He was disqualified for fighting in episode seven. He is a must-have for next season, in my opinion, and you can fight me 
over that, or you can go box him because he's desperate for a boxing opponent. As you know, throughout the season, I am lead, led the charge, originated, started the Fessy Fan Club as a person on this show. I don't stand by all of his relationship decisions, but I stand by he needs to be on this show absolutely 100%. A, Casey, a B, won the final. Honestly, being honest here, if she did not win, she would have got a D because, uh, as we just talked about and alluded to, and has been talked about ad nauseum before, she's just kind of there from the show perspective. And it's because I get the strategy she's playing. It's a very effective one, but it doesn't lead to great television. But she won, and now she's a champion. And she's a three-time finalist, one-time champion in three seasons. And, you know, she comes on next season and wins again. She's vaulting up the greatest all-time female list quickly. So she's got to come back, better come back. Casey gets a B. Big T gets a C. She was eliminated episode 16. Yes, she retired right afterwards, so I doubt we will ever see her again. I think that's a real retirement from her. She is still the greatest human being walking this earth. I stand by that, but I give a C because uh, it seemed like a good time for her to retire. We've got a lot out of her. I hope she has a wonderful, amazing life and whatever career she chooses, culinary it sounds from the time right now, but even with the retirement, I still think if she wanted to, they would bring her back, so she still gets a C. Good. Could definitely happen. Josh, this is going to be a little, maybe controversial, uh, but D. Uh, he was eliminated episode 15. And I think this should be the end of Josh on the show, at least for a while. He had a fantastic season. I have nothing, I have nothing but positive things to say about Josh, the human being. I think he's a wonderful, amazing person. Great guy. Would love to be friends with them. Would love to hang out with them. I don't want him on the show. And mostly... As I talked about before, this is the thing of I, the the Fessy, Casey, Josh, the Big Brother trio have gotten on a lot of fans' nerves, have got, been a cause of a lot of consternation, and have also affected the game in a strategic way, I think in a kind of a negative way the last few seasons, and I argued long and hard originally when I started the Fessy fan club of if any of these three people did a season without the other two our opinions about them would be wildly, wildly different. We lump them together and we kind of, if you have a negative opinion of them, it's kind of you have a negative opinion of the group and not necessarily just one of them. And if you have a negative opinion of one, it rubs off on the others. And just if I had to pick Fessy, Casey, <clears throat> Josh, I want not all three of them back at the same time, then I'm taking Josh out of the mix. So I'm giving him a D. I apologize for it. It's a great season. And again, hats off to the amazing hard work and hats off for being an awesome person. But that doesn't mean you always get to be on every season of the show. Devin, two-time episode MVP. He gets an A. He made the final dominant season. He's he's carried the last two seasons. If there was an ep, uh, a, uh, a spy theme episode or a seasons double season MVP, he would win it for the last two seasons as a total for sure. He's an A. Absolutely need him back. Um, he's he's a fixture of the show for a couple seasons more to come at least. Then we got Amanda, another A, eliminated episode 18. Obviously, we gave her the MVP of the season. The MVP of the season needs to be brought back. A, absolutely. Tori, a B, made the final. All the tools on display. She's a wonderful addition to the challenge. She brings everything you'd want from a good person to this show. She gets a B. Better bring her back. Kyle, a B, made the final. Still, and still has it without without being able to sling it necessarily around the house from a romantic or sexual standpoint now that he's happily uh, soon to be married or you know in love with his girlfriend, has a, has a child now with Vicky, and so he can't do the romance, which was his big angle early in his first few seasons of the show, but that doesn't, hasn't stopped him from being a 
an amazing addition to this cast and being a kind of must-have season to season. He's a B. Nelson, A, made the final. He's beloved. Got to keep bringing him back. He's got to end that daily challenge streak. He's got to get that win. I want him to be a champion so bad. Uh, he gets an A. Corey, C, eliminate episode 13. I love Corey. I think he should take two seasons off and then come back one or two more times after that. So C, could come back, should come back, just maybe not next, next season. Ashley, a C, she was disqualified episode 14. I don't know what she did. None of us really know what she did and they didn't show it and they seemed, as we talked about then, to not show it for the purpose of being able to bring her back if it was something that was deserving of never being allowed back. Now we don't know and she could be brought back. So she either gets an A because she was an absolute all-star as always, again, from content perspective, or an F because she did something so disgusting that she should never be on the show again. We average those out. She gets a C. Nani, a D. She made the final. Retire on top. You're a true OG. You're a legend. We love you. You're, you know, you've been unbelievable to watch over a decade on television. You're beloved. One of the favorite, highest approval rating challengers of all time. Two finals in a row. You got the girl. You got the relationship. And I, I just think it's time to, to move on from Nani at this point. Then Anissa, a C, Medical DQ, episode five, probably all stars only at this point is why it's a C similar to Nani. I, I just think it's time. I think, I think it's, it, it's Anissa's time to be done on the regular show. All stars is right there. You deserve to be on all stars literally until the day, uh, you know, the day it's over for you, which hopefully a hundred years in the future. Um, so Anissa and Nani, both, uh, all stars, 20 seasons in a row. Let's see it. You deserve it. Amazing. But probably maybe should be done with you on the flagship CT an a won the final never stop. Never, ever, ever, ever stop. You know, there's only maybe the only person that hundred percent deserves to say, don't ever stop putting him on the flagship program until he's 70 and literally physically cannot complete a single thing or what, who am I kidding? He'd still be winning stuff at 70 years old, but never, ever stop. He gets an A. Those are your grades for the vets. Nam B, Amber B, Fessy A, Casey B, Big T C, Josh D, Devin A, Amanda A, Tori B, Kyle B, Nelson A, Corey C, Ashley C, Nani D, Anissa C, CTA, and the only one we were disrespectful to there is Josh, who really, his actual performance of the season was an A. I just think as far as should he be back next season is a D. Don't do it. Rookies then. This is where it gets interesting because this is where it really, really matters and where the production is definitely having, you know, maybe not with the same grading system I am, but is having to have these conversations themselves. Or do we bring these people back? Did they pop? Do we Should we bring them back? So again, these are A, absolutely bring them back. B, better bring them back. C, could bring them back. D, don't bring them back. F, fuck out of here. Don't ever do that. Don't even think about doing that. Don't even delete the phone number from the contacts list. That ain't happening. Should they be brought back? That's what we're grading. Not necessarily the season they had, although that's obviously baked into it because they had to have had a good or an impactful season to get a grade that would say, yes, they should come back. So let's run through them. I don't know what order this is in. It's clearly not alphabetical. It's clearly not anything. Um, it's just completely random. So Berna, Berna, C, she was eliminated in episode eight. She got some romance. She had some drama. She was a solid competitor. I just don't know that I got the spark to be like, yeah, absolutely. Or you better bring back. I would be fine and mildly pleased with Berna coming back, but a C could bring her back. That's all the farther we got. Esther C eliminated episode seven. 
liked enough to give a C, but still kind of behind a lot of others. She was mentioned as a female rookie of the year candidate. Again, the potential was there. We saw a glimpse of it and then got sent home pretty quickly. And so just kind of felt like C was as far as I could go, but I would love to see Esther back. Lauren, uh, an F. She was sent home episode two. We never saw her. She was edited out of the show. We still don't 100% know why, uh, but yeah, we're good. F, same with Renan. F, eliminate episode one. Yeah, we don't we don't need to see that again. Thank you, goodbye. Bettina, a D, eliminate episode 12. She was great for one season. She was a wonderful one season addition. Don't think it needs to go beyond that. Same thing for Gabo, a D, eliminate episode five. Super duper fun. One of the most dominant, as we talked about, quote filled episodes of television history. Gabo, an unbelievable performance for that one episode. Super duper fun, but similar to Bettina. I think this was just really great for one season and that's all we need. Logan, a B, eliminated episode 17. He has all the tools and I think we only saw a little bit of the potential. He's got the physical tools. He's got the show tools. I think as the English becomes a little more comfortable for him, um, I think he can be an absolute stud all-star B for Logan. Tatcha, D, eliminated episode three. Uh, with respect to the Titans, I, I love and adore the the love and adoration that Tasha's Titans give to Tasha. I respect everything she's doing. I didn't get, I never got the West moment that I was hoping for with her of how of just talking about all of her different companies and everything. I still would have loved to have seen that, but uh, it just didn't it didn't fully work. This isn't the realm for her to dominate. She's dominating plenty of them elsewhere out there, so she's a D. Corey, Corey L, B. Eliminate episode four, has all of the tools. Honestly, if he would have made it to episode six or seven, I think he would have easily been an A um, for me, but gotta bring this guy back. Better bring Corey back. He is a strong B. Huey, also a B. Eliminate episode eight. Such a fantastic quote, and I mean this next part with all the respect in the world. He's a really good layup, and what I mean by that is, yes, he's going to continually get called a layup, in the show, unless he completely changes his, uh, you know, workout routines, but which he uh, obviously he could, who knows, and could then surprise some people. But he's really good, like for a layup, he's a really good, competent one, which is why he was able to win some stuff and compete really well on this season. And that's re- that's really ideal. I mean, obviously, it's ideal to be amazing at television, which Huey is. It's amazing. Uh, an ideal to be hilarious, which Huey is, and to be a life of the party, which Huey is. All those are absolutely fantastic. He's an A-plus on the show side of things. And it's even better when, if you're going to have people in the house, there's always going to be a difference in physical abilities in the house. But when the people, the better the people at the bottom are, the better the show and the competition is. And Huey's legitimately good, and he was still viewed as a layup on this season so that's also an advantage. So Huey, a B. Michaela, C. That's the highest we can go for someone who's eliminated episode one. But honestly, as we said, and why she was mentioned as a rookie of the year nominee in one single episode, so much to offer. Uh, I just can't go higher than a C because it was only one episode. But if it was two or three or four episodes, it could have been a B or even an A. Tommy, C. Medical DQ after episode three. I thought there was a lot of potential there. Um, and I think he just likely got unlucky with his one shot and that there's too many other amazing and cool and interesting rookies. And he just, he got unlucky that he got hurt, um, on his one, one try on the show and didn't get to show as much. So could bring him back, get to see, but I think he's really far behind a lot of these other people, too many people to probably get a chance. Emmanuel B eliminate episode 18. He has all the tools to be a fantastic 
wonderful player for many seasons to come. Jeremiah D, eliminate episode nine. He's good looking wallpaper. He's just kind of in the background silent. I mean, he had he had a relationship or romance with the previous season's champ who was a part of all kinds of uh, drama and storylines in the house, and yet he wasn't at all. Um, and, you know, he's a pretty solid athlete, but uh, just he's a D. I didn't, I didn't get any uh, much from him. Michelle C, eliminated episode four, impact off the show as much as on, which uh, at first I was like, oh, an A or B. And I was like, all right, well, let's just grade the show only itself. But off the show matters nowadays as much, you know, driving enthusiasm and conversation and talk about the show. Enjoyed her, really good competitor, had the romances. And again, C, just because episode four, and I don't feel great about going, I have to really, really, really strong about you to go B or A and that few of episodes, which we will for a couple people here. But a C could bring her back. She just might be in line behind, you know, a few too many other female rookies from the season. Tracy, a D. She was given almost no time on this show, and I think we know why. She gets a D. Emmy, A, obviously made the final. She might be the next star, star, star of the show for seasons to come. Kells, a B. Eliminate episode two, but a big mark in a short time. I might have that big guy bias that a lot of us have, that a lot of the cast clearly have, and thinking that every competition is a pole wrestler hall brawl when only one per season is. But I just I came into the season expecting a lot. We got it a lot out of two episodes. And he gets a B. Priscilla, a B. Eliminated episode 10. Tons of potential. We were starting to finally get to see some of it when she got sent home. As we mentioned with the Rookie of the Year nominees, she was up there because... Uh, I think it's all there. I think you got a really awesome cast member if you bring her back a couple more seasons in a row. And then Ed, he gets an A. He's eliminated episode 11. Can't believe he lost. I need more Ed in my life. Please and thank you. Challenge gods. And with that, Ed A, Priscilla B, Kells B, Emmy A, Tracy D, Michelle C, Jeremiah D, Emmanuel B, Tommy C, Michaela C, Huey B, Corey B, Tasha D, Logan B, Gabo Bettina D, both for them, Renan, Lauren F, both of them, Esther C, Berna C, those are your rookie grades for the season. That's a lot of C's, B's, and A's, a lot of people that I think could better absolutely should be back and only a small few that I would say don't do it and definitely F out of here. Don't ever even think about it. That's a pretty amazing group. As we kind of started this pod with as the first kind of pro of the season, we'll end with great group of rookies. And in general, that's all we got for this podcast because that's all we got for this season. That's officially the end of Spies, Lies, and Allies for this podcast. It's fully in the books. And again, I, you know, I may have been higher on it than a lot, but I think it was a solid, solid season. I'm, I'm already regretting saying C plus. I really think it is a B minus. I will toil over that for days and weeks to come, if not years to come, but 37 season in the books. It was wonderful. I hats off to the production team for putting this on during COVID still hats off to TJ for being the best host out there. Hats off to all 35 uh, you know, members of the cast and special thanks to those we've mentioned here on all the different awards and moments and quotes and all kinds of things. You made it such an unbelievable and wonderful season. And as a massive challenge fan who loves to talk to myself about it into a microphone week after week, can't thank everyone involved enough for a wonderful season. That is it for our Spies, Lies, and Allies content on The Challenge Historian. We'll be back again tomorrow. We'll continue with the All-Stars coverage when a season 38 is announced, we'll be talking all about it. We'll be talking about this show for many, many, many seasons and years to come. 
uh, challenge God's willing. So thank you all for being here all season long. It's been a wonderful season. I've enjoyed it so much. Thank you for listening each and every single week. As always, if you haven't by now, it's even more important now than it ever has before because there will eventually be a little bit of a break in episodes coming up. Hit that follow or subscribe button wherever you're listening so you don't miss it when new news is announced, when we start those review previews or those Tuesday challenge news catch-up shows again. You get those All-Stars recaps. Hit that follow, subscribe button. Head on over to Instagram. Follow us there at Challenge Historian over on YouTube if you want to see some videos that will be dropping from time to time at Challenge Historian there. Anywhere you look, Challenge Historian, you will find me, Jacob Hollibaugh, your dedicated Challenge Historian. Thank you one final time for being here with us all season long. Thank you to the Challenge cast producers, TJ, Buna Murray, all of it for giving us this wonderful entertainment. I will talk to you again tomorrow. If you're an All Stars listener, catch that episode, catch that recap. Otherwise, until next season, I will talk to you then. Peace.